would you get intimate to this album? Oh, definitely. Welcome to Bands, Beers, and Buzzwords, the show where you talk about your favorite music and I try to get you drunk doing so. Uh, Today we have Mr. Andrew Schultz. How are you doing, Andrew? I'm doing fantastic. I am very excited and slightly nervous. You know, I'm I am too. I'm also excited and nervous. This is our uh, first episode here. And although we've been on the air together before, this is my first time hosting a podcast. So yeah, excited to be here. I think you were born to host a podcast, John. Uh, I'm going to take that as a compliment. <laughs> <laughs> it's absolutely a compliment. <laughs> All right, good. Uh, I guess the good intention is what matters. Um, so, Andrew, why don't you tell us about yourself? Uh, why are you here? Why should we trust you? Well, that's a loaded question. But <laughs> you should trust me because I am obsessed with music to the extent that I have created uh, with the help of so many friends, redefiningrecords.com, which is a music blog outlet where we review music and talk about music and share music. And it's the thing I enjoy the most doing in my day is just listening to music. And um, I like to think I have good taste. Uh, That's, you know, a hard thing to say about yourself that's up to other people to determine but i definitely like listen to a lot of music and um i'm also a bad musician myself very very capable bass player who can read tabs and play covers of songs and uh write songs myself that are probably not that great but they're fun for me to listen to so uh, does that does that work for you? Does that qualify me to talk about an album? I I I think so. You say you're a musician. Have you have you played live before? I have played live. We've played live in the same show together, John. You know this. Oh geez, uh, when when was when was this? I forget. Remind uh, me. Definitely at least memory. one. <laughs> at least one or two Toga Paloozas. Um, Anyway, I'll give the whole backstory. I played bass for a band called Frisian. At you just hit our first landmine. You have to take a drink. Oh, shit. Mention oh, a band God. that you used to be in. Uh, viewers, you don't quite know about that yet. We'll get to it in a second. But uh, continue your story. All right, I'll take a sip of my, uh, my Red Hook. I got a Red Hook Peaches for Me IPA. It's a... Oh. It's a local Red Hook is from Seattle, which is where I now reside. So I had to go local. Nice, nice, dude. Taking a I like it. Um, that's so funny. I totally forgot about the premise of the show for the last three minutes, and I was like, "Why is John asking me a question that he already knows the answer to?" <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, I mean, maybe maybe I should intro the game now, uh, just real quick. Um, so basically, uh, bands, beers, and buzzwords, uh, I have a list here of 20 buzzwords, uh, phrases, actions that if, uh, Andrew says or does any of them, 
Uh, he has to drink. I'm going to be drinking along with him too. Uh, real quick here, let me cut in before I bait him into any more of them. Let me cut in exactly what these 20 uh, phrases are going to be. Today's buzzwords are describe a sound as warm, use onomatopoeia, talk about your middle school music taste, mention the Beatles, talk about jazz, mention a band you used to be in, refer to an album made post-1990 as a record, use the phrase ahead of its time, recite lyrics, name a specific model of synth, mention LCD sound system, say the word drink, mention craftwork, Name a Joy Division song. Describe a sound as synthy. Get a band member's name wrong. Mention Pitchfork. Name an 80s film. Talk about hip hop. And end a sentence with, I don't know. All right, cool. Welcome back. Andrew, how is your Red Hook treating you? It's pretty good. It's tasty. Um, it's fruity, obviously. It's got a, a peach and mango flavor to it, apparently. Um, but I'm a big IPA fan. It's a it's a solid 6.7 ABV, so you know I'll drink with caution. But it's very tasty. Yeah, don't uh, don't go too overboard. It is only uh, 1:40 in the afternoon here, but uh, you know I guess whatever. It's Friday. Do people not usually drink at 1:40? Well, I mean we both went to UCSB, so I guess we wouldn't really know when like normal drinking times are. Yeah, no, I mean we at least for most. People at UCSB who are upperclassmen, at least, I think Fridays are usually off. So Fridays in Santa Barbara are just day drinking days. Yeah. Oh, actually, uh, ding, 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 ding. Say the word drink. That's one of them. So drink up. <laughs> okay, I'll drink. I'll drink. <laughs> okay. Uh, before we hit too many more of these... We do have some business to attend to. Uh, you have chosen an album uh, that you consider to be important in some way, and you're going to tell us a little bit about it. What album did you choose? Yes. All right. So I thought about this a bit. I wanted to go with something somewhat classic and historically relevant so that uh, you could create a good batch of buzzwords uh, for me, and most people would know it or have heard of it or I would say most people know this album pretty well. Um, so I've chosen the album Power, Corruption, and Lies by New Order. And I think, I mean, I was drawn to it because I love 80s music and New Wave and kind of the synth rock, synth pop uh, music that I still like today. And so many bands that I'm a fan of today, like LCD Sound System so I kind of wanted to choose something I was familiar with and something that I liked, but something that was kind of older, not from my generation, so that I could I could do some research and learn more about it myself. Well, that is an excellent uh, choice, Andrew. I didn't want to interrupt your monologue because it was great, but uh, mention LCD sound system is one of the buzzwords, so drink up. <laughs> you could have you could have just wrote that before you even knew what band I was going to uh, pick. Yeah, actually, that that was going to be one of my. Uh, that was one I filled in after you let me know the band, but yeah, I, I figured you and, and possibly Aiden, that would be a good one to get either of you guys. <laughs> uh, I'll probably bring them up in any conversation about music I have. So that's a good thing. You like... got me. What are, are we tallying it? What is that? Drink that number is number three. three. Um, once you hit a buzzword, 
it, it is dead. It is like a landmine. Once you've hit it, it goes off. So you can That's you know good. continue to mention them. It's just so a one time LCD thing. sound system, LCD sound system, LCD sound system, and I don't have to drink at all. Well, I I mean I I retain the right to penalize you with drinks, so you know. Right. <laughs> uh, but yes, you're all good now. Um, when did you first hear this album? Um, gosh, in its entirety, hard to say. I first kind of I'll go back to basically when I first kind of started to get into New Order, which was I think twenty you know, 2016, I think was when I kind of first started to dig into them because I went to Coachella that year and they played Coachella. Um, and that was the first time, I mean, I, I'd heard of them. I think I've probably heard Blue Monday on, you know, on throwback playlists and stuff. I was familiar with a song or two and, you know, my parents grew up with eighties music. So I think they, there might be an old record in my mom's record collection or something I may have heard at some point, but really I'd say about 2016, I believe the year they played Coachella um, or maybe it was 2017. I don't have my facts straight. It was the same. I'll tell you what it was. It was the year that Kendrick Lamar headlined because uh, unfortunately they were scheduled at the same time as Kendrick Lamar was playing. Oh man. Or like there was like a huge overlap at least like the first 20 minutes of their set was okay but then about 20 minutes in was when Kendrick's set was starting so I did catch like the first 20 minutes of it of New Order's set and it just like blew my mind I was like holy crap how do I not know more about this band I mean they're obviously old old people at this point uh, but they were still killing it on stage and they were still playing so well and the sound was amazing and and of course that type of music like I said is so heavily influenced on the music that I like now that it, it of course fits my taste and so I discovered them kind of there that was kind of the breakthrough moment where I was like this band is awesome like unfortunately only watched half the set because I wanted to see um, some of Kendrick Lamar's set too um, but I basically went home after Coachella was over I found the set list online and I like made a playlist of all the songs they played and I think two of the songs from their playlist or from their set list that night were from Power, Lies, Power Corruption and Lies, which was they played um, they played Your Silent Face and they played Age of Consent, which are kind of like the two bigger hits off the album. So that was kind of like my introduction to them. From there, I started like digging in a little deeper and exploring their catalog and eventually kind of like listening to each album that's awesome dude that's a great introduction and and it uh it kind of speaks to uh especially bands more from that era of uh really focusing on the craft of the live set you know um and really hanging their hat on the live set because of course that for for decades was that was kind of all they had you know i mean they had music videos and stuff you could see on mtv or whatever but uh, for the most part, the way you would go and hear music was either on the radio or go see them live. Um, so yeah, bands back then, they were constantly touring and uh, that was kind of their craft. That's what they did. So that, that that's that's a really cool way to see them. That's uh, I think that's how they would want you to see them too. Yeah, it's kind of an interesting way to be introduced to music. I, I think I've talked about this 
with a few other people before because there's always like in my head there's this kind of internal debate of like going into a concert whether I want to be really familiar with them or if I want to not know too much I'm like is it more fun to like know all the words and sing along and and know what you're getting or is it more fun to kind of be surprised and hear a bunch of songs you've never heard before obviously there's pros and cons each way but definitely like going in with a blank slate can be really exciting sometimes definitely definitely so describe new order sound describe the sound of this record put it put it kind of in context for us here yeah so uh i guess i'll take a step back with describing new order sound is you have to start with which i know must be a buzzword so i'm even scared to say it but you got to start with joy division uh-huh is that a buzzword it's like 90% of a buzzword okay well yeah, i'll just keep, going, just keep going i'll just keep going so yeah for those of you who don't know also i want to preface this by saying as i probably already made clear uh, this is a band from the 80s so I'm not like the ultimate authority on their history. This is all, you know, internet research and stuff I've heard, but uh, I'm sure there's going to be some big New Order fans out there who will know a lot more than me. I, I was going to say for for the listeners, this is this is for entertainment purposes only. Don't don't take this to the bank. I mean, it's going to be good information, but yeah, this is for entertainment purposes. Yeah, I'll give you good info, but yeah, it's not it's not going to be the end all. Anyway, so New Order formed in 1980, uh, Bernard Sumner, Peter Hook, Stephen Morris, and a year later, Jillian Gilbert joined. Um, so New Order is is a band that was born out of the demise of a former band, Joy Division, uh, after the suicide of lead singer Ian Curtis. A lot of people probably know Joy Division. They're kind of post-punk, punk band. Uh, they kind of introduced some synthesizers and some electronic sounds, but mainly relied on heavy bass and bass rhythm and, and kind of a dark, grungy sound. Uh, whereas New Order kind of got away from that eventually. Uh, they had their first album, Movement, which came out in 81. And... So that was kind of the so they they created an album after losing their lead singer and after being a different band. So now they're moving on from Joy Division. The remaining members are like, okay, we're gonna keep playing, but we're gonna have to do something else. The the album movement in '81, their debut album, most people consider to be kind of a transition because it still sounded a lot like Joy Division. It still kind of had that darker punk sound to it. Uh, I was going to say, didn't they include a, a, a Joy Division song or two on Movement? Yeah, sounds right. I didn't do as much research on Movement, so you probably right. know better right. than me. No, that's all right. But Go ahead. if you're trying to set me up, you can't get me. Damn. Okay, keep going. You made it. <laughs> no, I don't even... I, I'm not actually sure the answer to that, but I, I'm guessing <laughs> you're, you're correct. I just didn't do it. You're asking me about movement now, so I, I can get away with pleading ignorance there. Dreams Never End? Is that the one, the song? Or is it Truth? I don't remember. I don't know. I don't know the answer to that. I plead ignorance. <laughs> so I'll move on. Uh, but but that's true. Uh, movement was sounded a lot like Joy Division. And that's what most people said, although it was a pretty good album. And I, I kind of have listened to it a couple of times and I think it's a good album. 
But basically, so they got past that first album of like, everyone's put a lot of pressure on them of like, okay, Ian Curtis is gone. What are you guys going to sound like? What Are you just going to be like a knockoff Joy Division? Or are you going to be your own thing? And there was a lot of pressure with movement to see what they were going to do. And so moving on to their next album, which is this album, Power Corruption and Lies, two years later, 1983, the band went into it thinking like, we need to do something new. Like this is... This has got to be different than Joy Division. We want to kind of explore. We want to push forward. We want to do something different. And that's kind of what most people consider this album is kind of like the birth of the New Order sound. This is like when they became New Order. The last album was like a transition. This album is like the iconic sound that they created and they continue to make like throughout the 80s and even to this day, they're still playing. But um, so this sound is, you know, heavily synthesized a lot of synthesizers there's it's kind of dance clubby music mixed with rock and pop pop hooks um it's the type of music where you create it in the studio and there's layers upon layers and you use a lot of technology to get there and then you figure out how to play it live later which is something that i think a lot of bands do now it's like you kind of the studio process, you create the songs and then you figure out how to actually play them later, which is different to most of history where it was like you played it live and then you recorded it. And there are certainly still bands that do it both ways. But this, I think New Order is kind of a trailblazer in that they really were using a lot of electronics and a lot of technology to record. And so you get this cool, dancey, bass-heavy, synthesizer-heavy songs that still have like cool rock pop elements to them that make them familiar, but like different enough. And at the time, very futuristic. It's the total clear example of like what new wave was. Um, so that's kind of their sound. I don't remember the extent of your question. I've been rambling for a while. No, that's all good. I, I, uh, I wanted to let you ramble. You came within a, a hair's breadth of hitting a couple of these buzzwords in there, but you, you made it through. So <laughs> I'm slick. I'm slick. And, and most importantly, that was actually a very, very good breakdown of, of the context and the history of this record. That's that's about perfect, man. Um, I was going to say what. So they, they kind of have a new sound for this record. What would you say, like, what were some other places that they were drawing from, do you think, to make this new sound? Well, I know that they recorded in Britannia Row Studios in Islington which was a studio that belonged to Pink Floyd. Oh, wow. Yeah, found that out on Wikipedia. You're welcome. They actually, I guess Joy Division recorded their album Closer in that studio as well. So I'm sure like that had a lot of it. The people working there, the engineers there, I know Michael Johnson was the engineer and they credit him a lot in interviews as being super helpful with the with the production. And I know they were kind of having a rat-tat-tat craft work kind of back and forth like influencing each other and kind of competing with each other you just hit two buzzwords <laughs> uh one of the buzzwords the first one you hit was uh use an onomatopoeia so ratatat uh and then uh mention craft is the second one so that's two brother oh All man right, I'm taking two drinks <laughs> nice right. 
I, I'm highly impressed. I, I didn't want to stop you. That's a, I'm highly impressed with your knowledge of their uh, their process and their actual behind the scenes, like recording and engineering and and process there. That's cool. I, I well, you know, I didn't want to seem stupid on this new podcast, so I, I did some homework. I did some <laughs> nice. research. I read. I, I did some Google searches. Um, yeah. Plus, I, I'm a I'm a big fan of craft work too. Uh, I'm not an expert on any of them and their history, but get, learning about them myself has been really fun. I love me some craft work, and that's obviously they influenced each other and competed with each other. So, you've already kind of told me the history of the album. Let's 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 uh, go from macro to micro here. What's what's your favorite track on this record? Okay. Yeah, I've definitely got thoughts on a few tracks, but I was leaning towards saying my favorite, I think, has to be Your Silent Face. Mm -hmm. And probably because of that moment I described earlier when I when I discovered them or kind of was introduced to them playing live at Coachella, that was the song that kind of stood out in my memory as as being impactful. Just the way it's kind of... In, if you know it, it's a pretty popular song, Your Silent Face. I think it's kind of one of their top songs. Not their most famous, but definitely in the top 10 or 5. And it's kind of an epic, atmospheric, kind of emotional song. It's got the sequencer going in the background, but then like really full, heavy, dramatic string synths going to kind of right. drive the song. And obviously like kind of a slow, crooning, emotional lyric and, and vocal performance. Yeah, it's almost a ballad. It is it is almost a ballad with with like kind of these cool electronic sounds mixed in the background. It's like a ballad but electronic. So, I think that's probably my favorite. Um there's there's definitely a number of good songs on this album. Of course, everybody knows Age of Consent is one of their biggest songs ever and the lead sure. song on the album. Kind of a classic, super well known. Uh, that's definitely probably my second favorite on the album after Your Silent Face. I think the thing that's cool about Age of Consent, which a lot of people have said before, but it's interesting how the bass line kind of drives the song. It kind of has the main melody and tune is is in the bass, which I appreciate as a bass player. I was going to say, you know, that that is something I noticed. In fact, specifically on Your Silent Face, I think Peter Hook's uh, bass line on your silent face too, uh, on his six string yeah. bass, like that, the sound of that little bit higher register six string bass with, it uh, sounds like maybe a little chorus on it over the, uh, kind of drum machine and the synth pads. Like that sound is so 1980s new wave to me. Like you think of, yeah. um, uh, like so many hits of the eighties uh, have that sound, you know, and it's like, you hear it nowadays and you, you think like, Oh, it, this is like eighties new wave pop, whatever. But then you realize like they put this out in like 1983, like this is early. Like there, I, I don't know if, if you could find that sound earlier than these guys, you know, like he, Peter hook may have, may have uh, blazed that path for the rest of the guys uh who followed on after him you know it's it's really something his bass playing on that record so yeah i i totally agree with you there absolutely yeah peter hook is is a really amazing player and i i think you're right i think he is kind of a trailblazer and and i think they they yeah they sort of define the 80s sound in my opinion 
Yeah, absolutely. It's it's something you have to keep in mind while listening to these guys because you know in in 2020, listening to this, it's it's all familiar to an extent. But then you have to remind yourself this was 1983. So like I I feel like you can draw a line from this record specifically directly to so many bands. I mean, you mentioned LCD sound system, but I mean, you can hear like uh, television just a couple years later doing kind of uh, similar stuff. Like the last track on the record um, to me kind of reminded me of like television stuff, Marky Moon kind of and like, uh, and of course, if you're going to draw a line to television, you have to mention like the strokes. I mean, like the strokes latest record, I, I forget what that one was called, but the strokes latest record, they just came out with like what, six months ago. And it was, it was almost a direct take on this record, you know, like the sound is still fresh yeah. to an extent. It, it's, it's really something. Yeah. I think new order was, I mean, we know they were pushing the boundaries and they were, they were trying to do something new, but it's kind of, amazing how it stood the test of time and it feels like they were uh, even further ahead of what they were going for like they were trying to push past the sound of the 70s and create something new but they their music easily fits into today's landscape absolutely absolutely it's uh it's really something you know i it's funny when you mention this record i thought that i had listened to this record before i thought it was I think I was confusing it with movement and I thought I had listened to it, but then I sat down and listened to it all the way through. It was actually my first time listening to this record all the way through. And I, I was sitting there taking notes and putting stars next to the tracks I really liked. And I have what yeah. one, two, three, four, five, six of eight songs have a star. So like it was, yeah. <laughs> I was, I was planning on like two songs having a star. I, I finished the record and I'm like, God damn, that was a good record. I was, I was really blown away. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Let's see if I can guess which songs you didn't star, because I'll tell you this is basically me saying my least favorites, and maybe that right. might have to be yours. And, and here's here's what we're gonna do. If you get it wrong, you have to drink. If you get it right, I'm gonna drink. Okay. There we go. Are, aren't you supposed to be drinking with me anyway? Wasn't that the deal? I've bro. I've already finished two of my hard seltzers. <laughs> <laughs> Although right, my, mine are only 4.5%, so I think we're about even. Okay, yeah, we're probably pretty close then. All right, my <laughs> my least favorite track, and I'm also trying to guess John's least favorites. Um, track number two, We All Stand. It's probably my you least favorite. You got it. Yep, you got it. Okay, and the next one will be a little harder. I feel like that one was clearly a bottom of the pack. I would guess the other one, at least for me... It's probably Ultraviolence. Was that track number seven or track number no, six? No, six. I did six. Track number six. Yeah, you're you're actually absolutely right. Oh, I got yeah. it. Oh, sick. All you're right, absolutely drink right. Up, so that's, that's two drinks for me. Uh, my notes on track uh, number two, We All Stand, I said uh, it's contemplative. And I, I put a question mark next to it. I put the word soldier with a question mark was, was one of the lyrics he was singing about, like he sees a soldier waiting for him at the end of the road. Did I, did I catch that? Um, it could be, I've got, I've got some lyrics pulled up in a browser right here. Yeah. Uh, three miles to go at the end of the road. There's a soldier waiting for me. I've got three miles to go. You just what? hit a buzzword. The buzzword <laughs> is recite lyrics. <laughs> oh, you got me. You got me. Um, but hey, uh, 
I don't want to drink alone, so I had to get you. Um, no, that's good. I was bound to do that anyway, so that's that's a good one. I'm drinking. I figured. Um, that's actually though. I did. I did want to talk about that. Do you do you know why he mentioned that? Because I know 1983, uh, I guess, would be post uh, the Troubles in Ireland. I think, uh, but but I believe that's pre Falklands. Is it? I I kind of forget. You know, I definitely am not sure. Can't say that's for okay. sure. But your guess is as good as mine. Yeah, this is not a, a geopolitics podcast, so we'll, we'll forget about it. <laughs> You're just here, uh, just ca- causing riffs, causing riffs, causing riffs. I uh, and then uh, track number six, Ultraviolence. My note was uh, it's synthy and remixable. That's the one thing I said is you could totally pull a lot of those uh, stems, as we would call them, uh, and like make a sick dance yeah. remix of that song. Yeah, yeah, I think you're right about that. I think. My notes were kind of just I did I did enjoy the rhythm of that song. I felt like it had some really interesting percussion. So I I agree with you. I think you could you could take pieces take some pieces of that sample them or remix them somehow and, and do some fun stuff with it. It's by no means a bad track at all. It's just it was on the bottom of the list of a of a list of great songs. Exactly. Exactly. It's you're you're comparing it to you know, relative, it's not the best track, right? It was also the song on this album, I'll just say, that I thought was was maybe one of only one or two that that did kind of feel a little bit still like Joy Division, in my opinion. You know, I let me let me go through my notes here one more time. I thought that uh, I actually thought Leave Me Alone, the very last track, was yeah. their most Joy Division sounding one. Either that or that. Honestly, honestly, Age of Consent a little bit too. Um, but I yeah. thought Leave Me Alone was, in my opinion, their most Joy Division sounding, but also somewhat one of their more forward looking. Like I said, if you want to look at uh, what's his name, Tom Verlaine and his guitar work in television, like Marky Moon. Uh, God, I'd love to do one of these about Marquee Moon. That'd be cool. Anyways, uh, if you want to look at like television, I think that that last track, uh, Leave Me Alone, is kind of the most television-y sounding track, yeah. like the guitar harmonies and stuff, or like the strokes even, like something yeah. like that. Yeah, super cool. Super cool. I totally agree with that. Probably their most post-punky kind of one on the track. Um, I was I was really impressed too. I want to bring up real quick uh, track number four, five eight six. Uh, the intro on that one, uh, I was getting like Herbie Hancock vibes yeah. from that. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, um, yeah, that song's pretty cool. It's obviously got a little bit of background information, which I'm just fearful is a buzzword, but I'll say anyways. I guess from what I learned. There was there's pieces of that and kind of parts of the sequencer and the and the synthesizers, it it's considered kind of an early version of what became Blue Monday, which is actually oh, yeah. So Blue Monday is everyone knows Blue Monday is by far the biggest New Order song there yeah. is, and it is actually the single from this album, even though it's not on the LP. That's so, I didn't know that. In fact, I swear to God, I'm not lying to you. My my notes here for 586 say uh, glitchy fat intro, Herbie Hancock, Blue Monday, star. Yep. That's like literally what I wrote for this shit. That's so wild. Yep, you, you're right on the nose. They literally uh, recorded, I mean, they had like earlier demos of 586 that they used pieces of it 
to make Blue Monday, which they released first, even though they made 586 first, and then 586 was on the album, but Blue Monday was not. Um, and of course, Blue Monday is such a huge song. It's kind of crazy. It's not on the LP, but I guess they made it. And I've got some interesting backstory of Blue Monday. They kind of made it early on when they were experimenting with all these new synthesizers that they had bought and all this new sequencer technology they were using. They were kind of trying to figure out how it all worked. And and you can kind of tell by listening to Blue Monday, it's such a long song. It feels like they're kind of experimenting. There's just different parts to it and it just kind of keeps going. But I guess it started off as like a song. They were trying to learn how to use all this new equipment they had bought when they wanted to record this album. And also, I think Peter Hook said they were also trying to write a song for like encore performances where they could they could play it as an encore and not have to actually play very much because they could just let the sequencer <laughs> play. <laughs> They're like and, and, and the audience wouldn't beg for another one after it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He's like he, he said it in an interview like basically they wanted to just put it on and like keep drinking. Like the show's over, they're already in, you know, in the green room having beers and they don't want to go back out there so they just put on Blue Monday was kind of the idea. What do you know what uh synths and like drum machines they were using? Uh not specifically. I'm not super familiar with like what exactly the uh the synths they used or the the sequencers they had were all I know is you know, I watched a couple interviews and they said they were just super expensive. Like sure. Part of the reason you didn't hear it that much was cuz almost nobody had these things cuz they were super expensive and they were pretty new. And you could only get them if you had money. And they had made some money as Joy Division, so they were able to afford it. But I don't know the sure. exact machines now. All right. I was trying to bait you in. I'm, I'm just going to make myself drink on this one. I, one of the ones was uh, name a specific model of synth. Uh, and I just want to, like, you know, I want to strut my stuff here as a guitar player. I think they were using a Yamaha DX7. That's what it sounds like to me. So I'm going to drink for that drink i like that yeah i mean what if at the end of the interview you just have to drink for everything i didn't say and you have to say them all you know <laughs> what a great twist, idea twist, twist, twist my arm man <laughs> don't threaten me with a good time here um <laughs> speaking of which let's move on to a little bit of the more esoteric questions here uh i've never heard this album before I've never heard uh, I've never heard New Order before, and I come to you and I say, "Hey, I'm interested in listening to this record, uh, Power Corruption and Lies by New Order. How should I listen to this record for the first time? Like in what order, or like in what scenario? Well, I I was thinking I'm going to sit down and listen to the whole thing in one sitting, but if you would suggest I listen to it piece by piece, just how, however you think, however you think." any any should i be inebriated what 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 scenario what yeah anything what environment anything yeah i would say you should be inebriated you should be on what i would i would smoke some weed although i will say i did learn that these guys were doing a lot of acid while they recorded this album interesting i don't have experience doing acid so i can't really recommend it but I would definitely recommend getting high on weed because any kind of electronic music sounds really cool that way. 
I think listen to it all the way through because it's a short album. It's very digestible. It doesn't take that. It's only eight songs. I think it's like 40 minutes of music. So it's worth sitting down and listening to the whole thing. And I think the order that the album is in is just fine. I don't think you need to change it up. Age of Consent is one of the best songs. You start off with a banger right away. The Village is a great song. It's really feel-good, upbeat, kind of happy vibes. And of course, 586, like we talked about, it's like a cool clubbing, Blue Monday-type song. It's got that weird intro, kind of throws you off, but then it gets into the groove in the normal part of the song. Your Silent Face obviously was my favorite, and that's the one that I would really get lost in. And another note about Your Silent Face, and we talked about Craftwork already, but I, I read a note that said when they were writing Your Silent Face, they tentatively called it KW1, which, <laughs> which stood for Craftwork, the Craftwork one. Like they had a song that they were trying to make it sound like a Craftwork song, basically. And that, that was the outcome. But yeah, just listen to it all the way through. Yeah, I feel it. I, w- I was going to say, I, I have a list of uh, songs for the next uh, Delta Dagger record. And I think like two or three of them are called X Band One. Like, <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. We, yeah. Anybody who's written, who's written music knows that exact feeling. It's like you're trying to not copy, but you're trying to emulate a certain sound from a certain song. You hear a song that inspires you. You're like, I got to write a song like this song. And yeah. And so it totally makes sense. And when and before you've written lyrics, like what else are you going to call it? Exactly, exactly. Um, it's it, to me, it's easier if you're doing an instrumental song because then you can just kind of give it like a an epic title that uh, almost enhances the sounds you hear. But yeah, if there's lyrics, you gotta you gotta call it something that plays off the lyrics, or I don't know. Um, uh, yeah, I don't know. Um, let me ask you this. Have you ever listened to this album while inebriated? Not all the way through, but at, um, when I, when I first heard them at the Coachella experience, I, I described earlier, I was, I think I was on edibles when I was there. So hell yeah, I experienced the, those two songs, age of consent and, your silent face. I experienced those live in that scenario, in that inebriation. And that was pretty special. Hell yeah. That's awesome, dude. I'll, I'll take this moment to disclaimer. Uh, you know, we're everything we describe here is legal. We, uh, we all have, uh, you know, whatever requisite paperwork is required to do these things. Uh, so, you know, get off our backs. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, next question. Would you get intimate to this album? Oh, definitely. You you could definitely get, yeah. There's some great, I mean, lyrically, not too much to work with there, but the vibe is good, you know, mm-hmm. and there's a good energy to it. Mm-hmm. It's got, it's got a good energy. It's got a, you know, it's dance, it's dance music. So at its core, I think, so that, that makes for a good tempo could keep you right. going you know could, could uh, give you some energy 
uh, I think lyrically it, it definitely strays away from that because it's kind of working out interpersonal issues and uh, you know getting over the emotional toll of of what happened to them as Joy Division and and them as a band. It's kind of telling a bigger story than than that, but I think sonically, definitely. Absolutely, man. I agree with you. Anything that's danceable like that, anything with a driving rhythm, I think is is good for that kind of thing. And I think at that point too, you're not really listening to the lyrics. At least I'm not. Yeah. Not not that I've ever yeah, gotten I'm, intimate. That's I I don't you know I don't do that kind of thing. I'm 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 chased. So. We all knew that already. You didn't have to yeah, clarify. I'm, I'm well once I'm once I'm done making music, I'm trying to. Uh, <laughs> I'm trying to I'm trying to put on the uh, the white collar if you if you know what I mean I'm trying to trying to uh, marry the uh, marry the church if if you know what I mean so hey that's hey good on you good on you that's <laughs> respectful hey you could still keep making music they want musicians they do man hey you know what's ridiculous is like if you want to like get regular gigs and like make money as a musician the two gigs that you want to get are like cover band and like church band those are like yeah. the actual like working like money making musicians today like the shit that Absolutely. we do where we're like trying to like make creative original music and like put it out there like no oh, man. Like, there's, oh no oh no <laughs> there are so many people who do that and and oh no yeah no the the deck is stacked against you there but yeah if you're a church musician or a uh, like a cover band like an eighties cover band or something. You, oh, can totally yeah. make, you can make a killing. Absolutely. Absolutely. I agree. Um, you already kind of went over this. Um, you said that they were experimenting with LSD when they made this album. I was going to ask what were they smoking when they made this album? And that's a very general, not literally smoking LSD, but anything else, yeah. any other vibes you pick up from this record? I think it was that and a fair bit of drinking. From, from what I could gather from my research, I, I'm sure there was other things. Uh, there was kind of a funny interview on YouTube with, with the lead singer, Bernard Sumner, and he was just joking that maybe they had a little too fun, a little too much fun, I should say, while recording this album, that they were, they were getting pretty fucked up a lot, it seemed like. And, But obviously it worked out. It's a really great album, so they weren't getting too fucked up, but... I think they were having a lot of fun with it. And I think it shows through the music that they were having a lot of fun with it. So as far as I know, yeah, it was just, it was the acid and, and probably some drinking and that's all I could, you know, I would assume there's probably something else at some point, but not to my knowledge. Probably some like requisite blow just to like get them. Back uh, yeah. To I, you got to assume almost. Yeah. Yeah. Almost it, any recording studio during that time. Yeah, like it's funny, I didn't get a huge cocaine vibe from this album, but I feel like uh, it was definitely like a, uh, just like a maintenance level of cocaine, you know, like not like getting fucked yeah. up on it. Yeah, like, yeah. Like bring you back, like get you back in the zone. Energy. I, exactly, exactly. I think just, that's a just, safe bet. It's a safe bet. Yeah, they, they, yeah, I think they were doing a maintenance level of cocaine, not like a fucked up level of cocaine. Uh, if this album, this is kind of similar, but another esoteric question. If this album were a drink or a drug, what would it be? Hmm. 
That's a good question. I think, you know, I'll say I'm I'm pretty into like craft cocktails. So first I'll just say what I think it would be as a drink. It would be like, uh, it's, you know, it, it's the energy is good. So my first thought was almost to go like a Red Bull and vodka because, you know, it's kind of something you drink at the club when you're dancing to like EDM music. That's kind of my first thought, but I'll also say like a sex on the beach because I'm going to be making those tonight actually. And it's on my mind. And also like they have this whole, like, I know they were, were heavily influenced by like the club scene in, in Ibiza. And so I feel like that kind of matches the vibes, like a clubbing drink, but also like a beach, kind of like a beach type of thing. Um, or maybe a Red Bull vodka cause, cause of the energy and that reminds me of clubbing. Definitely, dude. I think it. I think it could even be both. I think it could be like you get to the club and you start with a sex on the beach, and then after you've had a couple, plus a maintenance level of cocaine, you go back and you just yeah. Red Bull vodka. Once, like, once you finally get the bartender's yeah. uh, attention, you just, uh, Red Bull vodka. Fuck it. Like, just give me yeah, like yeah. Red Bull vodka. Like, whatever. <laughs> like, yeah. I, I got you. I got you. What What goes into a sex on the beach? Is that Is that a rum cocktail? It's a vodka cocktail, which is why it's kind of sim- it was on my mind. Uh, it's it's vodka and peach schnapps with with orange juice and cranberry juice. That's dope, dude. What what's the occasion or just Friday? Oh, it's just Friday. I've I've just been ever since it's kind of been my quarantine hobby has been cocktails. I think I'm not the only one, but it, it's just been something to kind of be a hobby lately. I got went down the YouTube rabbit hole of of cocktail channels there's steve the bartender uh on youtube and and leandro from the educated barfly uh some cool youtube channels where they do craft cocktails and show you how to make them and stuff so that's been my hobby lately so at least like once a week or something i'll i'll make something i'll do a little recipe and and make some sort of fun cocktail nice dude hey there's a there's actually a good channel that I used to watch a long, a long time ago called uh, Distinguished Spirits. And uh, he's like super into like tiki drinks. I don't know if you're into like oh, tiki cool. shit because that's that's pretty yeah. like the, there's like a lot of ingredients and they're kind of weird. But I used to watch him because he has a he has a, a cool production style and it's it's kind of style. It's cool. It's just fun to watch. It's it's uh, kind of like those channels where it's a guy like you know like stripping paint off an old uh i don't know like an old table and then he like refinishes it i, I don't know if you watch yeah. that shit or that's just me but i i don't know i yeah i'll definitely check it out that sounds that sounds pretty sick <laughs> i was gonna say what's what's your stance on a martini do you make that with vodka or with gin if i'm gonna make a martini it's with gin but i don't drink it too much i'm not a huge sure. Not a huge fan of that. I, I mean, I don't. I'll definitely have it, and I've, I've ordered them before. I mean, I, I, I like a good flavored martini of some kind. I like a, I love an espresso martini. Um, yeah, I'm a big fan of espresso martinis. I think a plain. You know what? And I'm just contradicting myself because I always make espresso martinis with vodka. But I think if I was going to make a plain regular martini, I would use gin. But don't hold me to that. No, I 100% understand because I'm a. Like normally, I'm I don't like whiskey. I'm not a whiskey guy, and I know guys. Okay. You know, obviously, there's there's a ton of people who are super into like scotch and like whatever bourbon. They're super into it. Like I won't take shots of whiskey, but like yeah. my go-to cocktail 
now is like an old fashioned. And even yeah. before, like in college, my go to cocktail was a whiskey sour, which is kind of the, oh. you know, you're, you're like the 18 year old kid sneaking into the bar, you order a whiskey sour, I get it, whatever, man, like, who cares, but oh, yeah. uh, no, I, I used to like that. the whiskey sour and, and now I like the old fashioned. So it's like cocktail. I kind of like the whiskey cocktail, but uh, if I'm taking shots, I'm going with tequila for sure. Uh, I am so right on with you, dude. And first of all, no shame at all on the whiskey sour. That's still one of my favorites. I, well, actually I should say I got into the whiskey game late. I was always really apprehensive about whiskey because of the same reason as you. I, I never want to take shots of whiskey. That makes me want to throw up. Like, I don't want to take shots of whiskey, but started doing whiskey sours and, and old fashions. And really now whiskey is kind of my go-to for both of those cocktails are, are my favorites. And if I'm going to do shots, I'll also would definitely prefer tequila. I feel like that's my go-to shot. So I'm right there with you. Oh, yeah. Plus, the cool thing about tequila is if you get... Uh, if you want to get classy with it, you can order like nice tequila and, and oh, yeah. have like a sipping tequila. In fact, I enjoy sipping a nice Resposado more than I'd enjoy sipping like a, a bourbon or whatever. Like, you know, I, I know some guys love that shit. Like they love to sit there and sip the bourbon and they talk about the notes that they taste. I don't, yeah. I don't necessarily connect with that, but I, yeah, I'd, I'd sip a, a tequila on the rocks or something. Absolutely, yeah. I agree with you. Sip a nice uh, Patron on the rocks. I, I'm into it. It's um, not a Reposado, but it, it's good. Um, one of my favorite drinks is a tequila drink. I love a Paloma, which is grapefruit. Grapefruit, soda, and tequila, and agave syrup. Or I mean, there's different variations on it, but that's like one of my favorite drinks of all time is a Paloma. <laughs> well let's let's do this let's move on to our final segment here uh i've got a trivia section for you here beautiful uh you've obviously done your homework in fact i think you've already answered a couple of these but we're gonna run through them anyways yeah i want to be i want to like feel good about myself if i've already said the answers definitely still do it (laughs) all right first question what year did Power, Corruption, and Lies come out? Oh, yeah, 1983. Absolutely, man. That's right. Uh, May 2nd, to be specific. May 2nd. Damn. I wrote, I wrote it down. Okay. Uh, question number two. What is the name of the painting that was used for the album art? <laughs> yes, I, I know it. I wrote it down. <laughs> It's in my notes, so this counts because um, I'm not googling it. I wrote it in my notes, so I'm gonna. No, this is an open note exam. Yeah, you, okay. It's called. Had the presence of mind to write it down. Go, go. I did. Go it's it. called "A Basket of Roses" by French artist Henri Fantine Latour. Oh, you're there, dude. That's it. And I will say, uh, let's just give a little shout out. The artwork was designed. The the cover art, not the painting itself but the cover art was designed by peter seville who's like a pretty famous uh graphic design artist who worked with new order like throughout the years and there's also like this little side area on the album cover of these colors and he the color code the color code yeah he created like a color code to represent the band's name and the album title that's pretty sick so 
That's so 80s. That's so like, uh, like this is pre like NFC QR code. That's so cool. Yeah, All right, exactly. Uh, next question. Uh, who was the singer on the album? Bernard Sumner. You're there. That's okay. it. I think they called him Barney. Yes. <laughs> All right. Next question. What level was the album certified at in England? As in, you know, platinum, gold. How many sales did it make? Uh, this is this is a half-baked guess. I think I may have seen this somewhere, but I don't know if it's correct. But I, I'm going to say silver. You got it, dude. All right, cool. My memory <laughs> stood up there. I was like, I definitely saw it somewhere, but I don't know for sure. Okay, this one's a gimme. Uh, what was the band name before New Order? Joy Division. Yep, that's it. Um, next question. Uh, what was what was Joy Division's biggest single? Ooh, biggest as in sales. Sure. I mean, I'm gonna say "Love Will Tear Us Apart." <laughs> I just baited you into a buzzword. <laughs> I've been trying to get you this whole time, man. It's it was name a Joy Division song. Yeah, fair <laughs> I enough. Had to throw that one in. I had to throw that one in. No, you were I asking agree. Like, <laughs> you were like, "Is Joy Division one of the buzzwords?" I was like, ninety eh, percent." Uh, okay, you know what? <laughs> totally fair. Totally fair. I will gladly drink for that. <laughs> Is that the right answer, though? Uh, oh, I have no idea. I, I just made yeah, that up. <laughs> I just wanted you to name one of their songs. Well, that's that's their number one song on Spotify. That's the number one on Spotify. So, You're probably right. How about this? I'll drink because I think you're right. You drink because you hit the buzzword. All right. I already drank, and I'm going to drink again. That works. <sighs> that's what I was trying to. I was like, I was like, wasn't one of the songs from Movement like also a Joy Division song? Okay. Like, wasn't that like- <laughs> so you were asking that, and I was like pulling up movement to look at the track list, but I didn't see that song on there. No, but one of them, I think, I think "Ceremony" was the one that was like written by Joy Division, and I think there's like a demo or possibly a recording of Joy Division playing it live, yeah. but I don't think they ever like officially released it. And then New Order it became did a new song. Okay, yeah. that's definitely true, and I know you're right but it's, I don't see it on the album movement. So it must be on a later album or maybe it was it's a single. Somewhere. It might've been a single. Yeah. I don't, I don't, I'll be honest with you. I don't know exactly how that whole thing played out. I totally but believe I that. that like, happened. Yeah. Yeah. And I will say um, when I saw new order. Okay. And I also want to add a second little vignette to this because when I saw new order play at Coachella, they, this was their final. Well, actually no. I know it was their final song because I looked at the track listing, although I missed it at Coachella. As I said, I went to see Kendrick Lamar play, but I did get lucky enough to see them a second time, which is pretty incredible seeing as I've only been a fan for like six or seven years. And I'm a 25 year old who was not alive when they were popular, but I've seen them two times now. Uh, I saw them in Long Beach at the Music Tastes Good Festival in 2018, I believe. They were like the headliners. Um, and by that time, I was like fully invested in them. And that was like the main reason I wanted to go to that festival was to see them play again. So I know they ended with this song 
at that festival. And I know they ended with it at Coachella too, because I looked up the track listing, but they ended with Love Will Tear Us Apart. And that's a Joy Division song. But New Order will consistently play it, is the point of this whole rant. Absolutely. Yeah. No, I feel you. I feel you. All right. Final question. This one might challenge you a little bit. Okay. What concert did the members of this band attend before forming Joy Division? Oh, man. So, I okay, so I have no idea what the answer is, but I will guess. Um, because it's fun to guess. I'll never leave an answer empty on a test. But I would just preface this with I have no idea. I'll say I'll say Kraftwerk. I don't know if they did concerts. Did Kraftwerk play live? I don't know. Uh, I think they did. I've at least seen videos of them doing like television appearances, yeah. which is sort of live, sort of live from the studio, sort of, you know. Um, That's not the answer, that, though. That is not the answer. The answer, you'll kick yourself, was they went to uh, the Sex Pistols. Oh, okay. Yeah. You know, that there's makes sense. That famous, there's there, there, the Sex Pistols. There was, there's some famous uh, show that they played that like several members of several future bands went to and saw them and then were inspired to form bands. It's kind of like people say like uh, Velvet Underground, like everybody who saw Velvet Underground yeah. formed a band. It's like the Sex Pistols were like that, but in England. And if you want to make that connection between England and New York, like it kind of makes yeah, yeah. sense. Everybody who went and saw the Sex Pistols formed a band, and and Joy Division slash New Order was one of those bands. So. Totally. You know what's funny about that is like I feel like both of those bands, Velvet Underground and Sex Pistols, they were so good, obviously, but they're both so central to the idea of like simplicity. Yeah. That I totally get that that was what people walked away with was you know you see them playing you're like I could do that like it's not that complicated. Uh, of course, they're such good songwriters, and and they did they had some sort of special aura to them or special thing about them. But the music itself is so simple that I totally get why people would see them and think I could do that. Okay, let me run through my notes and say a few facts that I didn't get to say that I wrote down. So the label the recording label for this album and for, I believe, multiple New Order albums was Factory Records, which was headed by Tony Wilson. Fun fact. And, oh, about the studio, Britannia Rose Studios, where they recorded this album, the Pink Floyd, uh, the Pink Floyd Studio. Uh, some of the band members said it was pretty awesome because they gave them free sandwiches for lunch. And I thought that was hilarious. That was like one of the main things they said. There's a pretty cool quote from Peter Hook, uh, who said, who was kind of comparing power corruption and lies to movement. And he said it was like going from black and white into color. And I thought that's just a perfect statement. That's actually a great way to describe it. Oh, it's just so succinct and perfect. It is exactly how to describe it. There was the, the single temptation apparently was released between these two albums like after movement but it was not considered a single for 
for Power Corruption and Lie, but Temptation came out between these two, apparently, and that's a great song. There was another single from this album called Confusion, which is also not on the LP. I don't know much about it. I don't even think I listened to it. Yeah, I'm not familiar with that one. And also, uh, Power Corruption and Lies was named to the Rolling Stones' Top 100 Albums of the 80s. It was number 94. And I think Where, that's, was it, that's was it listed on, so they got Rolling Stone, were they listed on any other publications? You know, I'm confused because I read on some page, some blog or something said that they were on the pitchfork. <laughs> but then I looked at that list. Oh, <laughs> God damn it. Mention, mention pitchfork is one of the buzzwords. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, I'm upset about this because I looked at the list and I couldn't find it. You mentioned it in our our pre. It's funny when we were were talking before the podcast for the listeners, you know, here's a little behind the magic. Sometimes the host and guests talk a little bit before they start recording. And uh, Andrew mentioned Pitchfork. (laughs) And I was like, fuck, I hope he mentions this again because this is one of the things. (laughs) And I forced the issue. I was like, let me say some more things. (laughs) Okay. But like I said, I'm, I'm confused and somebody maybe listening can, can follow up on this, but like I read that it's on the top 100 albums of the eighties for pitchfork as well as rolling stone. But then I looked at that list and I control F to find what number they were and they wouldn't pop up and I scrolled through and I couldn't find it. So I don't know if that's true or not. Interesting. Mildly, mildly interesting. <laughs> that kind of leads me into my my music news here. All right, let's talk about music news. Music news. Uh, today, twenty years ago, here's a bonus trivia question for you. Today, twenty years ago, what album was released? Oh Christ! Let's see. Let's see his date. <laughs> I'm looking at the date, like that'll help me somehow. There's no, I have no idea. October second, twenty twenty. So this was, uh, okay, all right. Twenty years ago today. I'm gonna say, you know, and this, this must, this might be wrong, but it could be right based off of what you said. But is it, is it the Strokes' debut album? Uh, it's not. It's okay. not. I like two. We're talking about two thousand. Time frame wise, you're very close, but uh, today, 20 years ago, uh, Kid A, Radiohead. Oh, okay. Yeah, I wasn't going to guess that. I feel like you could draw a line from this album to that album for sure. Yeah, for sure. I think so. Um, here's the thing, though. I So, in honor of the 20th anniversary of Kid A, BuzzFeed News put out a, a uh, an article that a friend sent me. I'll be honest, I didn't read the article because I I didn't want to dignify it with a click, to be honest with you. Oh, but uh, okay. a, friend, a friend sent it to me and gave me the gist of it. But the title was something along the lines of like, Kid A is just okay. And like the, <laughs> the, the, the uh, image that accompanied it was the album cover of Kid A, but there was like a sticky note over the A and it said, meh. M-E-H, Kid <laughs> Meh. And uh, 
I don't know. It made me mad. It made me mad that BuzzFeed was like disrespecting Radiohead like that. Um, to me, that album was like monumental in terms of like how fast it came after uh, OK Computer and like how different it was and like the things they did on that record. It it drives me nuts. I don't know. That's probably what they want. Yeah. Though. They just want clicks. That's, that was going to be my follow up was just that it's fucking BuzzFeed and they want clicks. And that's what they specialize in is just saying absurd things whether they're offensive or just interesting or or just crazy whatever they are they're just they specialize in clicks so i'm not too surprised to hear it are are you are you like a big radiohead fan at all i've never dug deep enough to really know my shit basically i was kind of like a casual fan as much as anyone was i knew their hits and that's their hits are really not the songs to know but uh, about a couple of years ago, they I guess it was, I don't know if it's 2018. I went to Coachella like three years in a row from like 16 to 18 or something. And they headlined 18, I think. And so mm-hmm. I saw some of their set and I was like, holy shit, this is amazing. Uh, so then I, I went back and I dug in a little bit. Basically, I love the album In Rainbows from... Oh, brother. Yeah. Yeah, 2007. Oh, yeah. So I'm I'm an expert I'm an expert in in rainbows, but that's as far as I've gone really aside from other big well-known songs. So I'm I'm kind of a weirdly casual appreciator, but not I haven't gone too deep yet. Like look, dude, as someone who has listened to every single one of their albums like all the way through multiple times, I'm going to tell you my favorite album is In Rainbows, and that's going to like yeah. uh piss off a lot of like true Radiohead fans. Like it it dude, like I 100% feel you. I could go off on like how that is like objectively their best album, but uh yeah, man. I feel you. I saw them live once uh like a couple years ago and you're, the point you were making about like bands who uh, make stuff in the studio and then figure out how to play it live later, uh, so mm-hmm. hit home for, me for like Radiohead, like uh, so much of their yeah. stuff. Kind of starting starting with Kid A uh, was like so electronic and stuff. Like uh, they had so many songs that I never thought I would hear live, and then I saw them pull them off live, and I was like, holy shit! Like uh, I don't know, they they have this song Bloom that uh, was the opening track on um, what was it? King of limbs, which I think is their second uh, latest album, King of limbs. Uh-huh. And uh, it was one, it's a super cool track, but I was like, yeah, they'll, they'll never play this live. And then I saw them live and they had Phil Selway, their drummer. And then this other dude also on a full drum kit. And then they brought Johnny Greenwood, one of their guitar players. They brought out a little like snare Tom, like mini drum kit. And they had all three of them playing drums and uh, they performed this song Bloom like live with acoustic drums. That was just I, I, I didn't think it could be done. And they did it right before my eyes. I was I was blown away. Oh, wow. That yeah. sounds pretty sick. So yeah. would you say if knowing what you know about me as a casual fan and a fan, a big fan of In Rainbows, what's the next album that I should listen to from Radiohead? Uh, I want you to tell me the three songs on In Rainbows that were your favorite, and then I'll tell you which album to listen to. Okay, my favorite song is House of Cards. House of Cards? Obviously, I like Weird Fishes. Weird Fishes. I mean, everybody, everybody kind of likes that one. 
Uh, House of Cards is my favorite. And then I would say um, Body Snatchers. Body Snatchers. Okay. So you're going to want to listen to the album The Bends uh, or like OK Computer. Yeah. Okay. The Bends or OK Computer. Yeah. It like in Rainbows to me is like the most Radiohead album of Radiohead's whole catalog. Like to me, it, it encapsulates all of the things they've ever done in one album. So it's like the Benz. Okay. Computer. The Benz is like an, a low key favorite of mine. Like the Benz gets overlooked a lot. It's very uh, kind of like post grunge, like guitar based rock stuff, but it's so fucking good, yeah. man. I, I love that album so goddamn much. It's so like uh, nostalgic. Like even if you didn't listen to it when you were young, it has this like nostalgic vibe to it. I'd say the Benz or okay. Computer. All right. I've got homework. <laughs> All right. Well, that about wraps it up, dude. I've, I've asked you all the questions. I don't think I can bait you into any more of these buzzwords. Um, <laughs> all right. Well, now you gotta, you gotta tell me the whole list. Let me hear it. And tell me which ones I, tell me which ones I got too. Cause I kind of lost track. Okay. So the list is describe a sound as warm. You did not get, uh, use an automatopoeia you got, uh, talk about your middle school music taste. Uh, mention the Beatles, talk about jazz, uh, mention a band you used to be in, which you got, uh, refer to an album made post-1990 as a record you did not get, <laughs> use the phrase use the phrase ahead of its time you did not get. <laughs> Wait, I think, okay. You, dude, you came so close. I said something close. really close, yeah. Bro, you kept saying, like, trailblazers and, like, futuristic. <laughs> like, you came so close, man. Yeah. Uh, but you did not use the specific phrase ahead of its time. Uh, next one, recite lyrics. I got you to do. Uh, name a specific model of synth. I was trying really hard to bait you into that one, and then I just took it. Uh, mention LCD sound system. Uh, say the word drink. Mention craft work. Name a Joy Division song. You hit all four of those. Describe a sound as synthy. I think is I think I use the word synthy. I'll take a drink for that. I mean, I definitely said the word. I described their sound as using synthesizers like probably synth, ten times. Synth, so. synth based or synth. Yeah, you, yeah. you came very close, but hey, I'm gonna drink for that. I'm gonna drink for that. Uh, take a drink. If if you feel you need a drink, then then take a drink. I won't stop you. Uh, next one. Get a band member's name wrong. Uh, right off the bat, you named every single band member, like banged it out. So that one, you absolutely succeeded. Uh, mentioned Pitchfork, you hit. Uh, name an '80s film. Mm. I was hoping you would like maybe compare them to like the like Blade Runner soundtrack or something. Yeah. You know, '80s. I was hoping. Uh, talk about hip hop. Uh, you did not. And end a sentence with I don't know. Uh, Maybe you did that. I don't know. I don't think you did. I just did. Fuck. I, <laughs> I was about to say you did it as you were describing it. I probably, I don't know. That's, that's there. okay. I just said it. I mean, I don't know if I said it at the end of the sentence. <laughs> now we're both saying it. it. <laughs> I'm just going to drink. Dang, man. Well, uh, I mean, this is my last hard seltzer anyway, so I think I'm just going to down it. I think you have to. Shoot, man. Well, 
this has been good. This has been a good uh, pilot episode, I think. Absolutely. I, I had a lot of fun. I learned a lot. I laughed a lot. And I drank a lot. What else do you need? <laughs> what else do you need, really? That's all we hope for on this program. Absolutely. I look forward, forward. I'm slurring my words now. I'm not that drunk. I don't know why I'm slurring my words. I look <laughs> forward to hearing some more episodes and, and diving deep on some more albums with this show. Well, uh, you will hear that here at Redefining Records, uh, along with all the other great uh, podcast episodes you can hear uh, on Redefining Records. So, uh, yeah, we will see you next time. Yeah.